So when we can have that pause moment to really recognize, okay, who does this response and this reaction and this body reaction belong to? Because we all know that when we're under stress or where there's a trigger that maybe reminds us of a trauma, the body's going to respond. I am a woman on a mission that is dedicated to teaching you just how powerful your body was built to be. I like to do that by bringing you the latest science, the greatest thought leaders, and applicable steps that help you tap into your own internal healing power. The purpose of this podcast is to give you the power back and help you believe in yourself again. My name is Dr. Mindy Pels, and I want to thank you for spending part of your day with me. On this episode of the Resetter Podcast, I bring you a dear friend of mine, Dr. Sonia Jensen, who is about to rock your hormonal world. So Dr. Sonia and her husband are naturopaths in Vancouver, Canada, and I was blessed to meet them about seven years ago as I was going through my menopausal journey. And one of the things that I first noticed about Dr. Sonia was the level of love and care that oozed out of her. And as I was trying to put my menopausal picture together, she kept saying to me, Mindy, you got to think about self-care. You've got to think about emotions. You've got to heal past traumas. And I, it, we became such good friends and, and she had such a, a deep level of uh, insight for me. She was actually the one who told me about the rushing woman syndrome and Dr. Libby Weaver. And I just always in her presence feel like she's got my back and that she's looking at my hormones from a different angle than anybody has ever looked at hormones before. So a year ago when she said she was going to write a book on healing hormones, I encouraged her and said, absolutely, you've got to get that book out to the world. And so it is now out to the world. I have read several chapters from it. It is going to change the way that we look at hormones. In this episode, you are going to hear her talk about how emotions can literally transform our endocrine glands. So if you're not familiar with endocrine glands, they are the glands that are making hormones. And our past traumas, our, uh, the way that we were modeled behaviors in childhood, even we even talk about in the womb how you take on different emotional patterns that will cause our endocrine system, our hormonal system to go awry when we go through puberty, when we go through pregnancy, when we go through through menopause and that if we're aware of these emotional triggers and traumas and we work on healing them, we can truly heal our hormonal system. So we went everywhere from how what we learned about our endocrine system as children to could we heal PCOS? Could we heal infertility? Could we heal, uh, have a, a less bumpy menopause if we tapped into these emotional triggers that are affecting our hormones? And we finished up with how healing Mother Earth is going to heal our hormones. And I think you will find that she, her heart is one of the biggest that I know. And I think you will fall in love with her as much as I have. Um, I cannot wait to get her book to you. Uh, it's called Woman Unleashed. And uh, we will have a landing page for it so you guys can pre-order it. Nobody that I know of is having discussions about hormones at this depth 
and no one is informing us or enlightening us to look at hormones from an emotional slant. So if you are on a journey of hormonal health, I promise you, you will not be disappointed by this episode. You will think of your hormones from a whole new light. And as always, if you love this episode, please send it out into the world. We really need to heal not only our planet, but we need to heal women right now. Women are struggling with their health and are, and, and are out of answers. And podcasts like this really start to change the conversation and give women the power back and give women a new paradigm of health in which to step into. So my dear friend, Dr. Sonia Jensen, I am so pleased to present this podcast to you. Hey, Recenters, as we step into the new year, I am so thrilled to invite you on an extremely transformative journey with me in my Reset Academy. So check this out. If you're ready to kickstart your fasting and health journey, which I know so many of you have reached out to us and asked how you customize a fasting lifestyle for you, my Reset Academy is the absolute best place to be. So here's what you get in the academy, and I like to think of it in terms of a complete picture. So imagine being surrounded by people who understand your journey, who are passionate for fasting, who want to lift you up and will support you every step of the way. My academy is not just me, my team, but it is an incredible group of people that are all dedicated to building fasting lifestyles and supporting each other in it. This is why I created the Reset Academy. So when you join, you gain access to all the exclusive calls where my team and I share the latest insights, we answer your burning questions, and we guide you towards your health goals. That's not it. We didn't stop there. By becoming a member, you're not just investing in a membership, but you're investing in yourself. I am such a fan of setting you up to win this year. And my academy is the best place I know to do that. I want to keep you focused. I want you to customize this for you. And I want you to succeed at your health goals this year. End of story. So if you're ready to unlock your fullest potential and embrace a fasting lifestyle, join me. If it feels good, join me. And let's make this year an incredible year for us all. So all you got to do is go visit drmindypels.com slash reset academy to become a member. I can't wait to welcome you. I can't wait to see you on the Zoom calls. I can't wait to be in community with you. And most importantly, let's get your health goals handled and let's do this together. It's so much better together. Together. So that's drmindypels.com slash reset academy. Excited to see you there. I want to start with this thought. So thank you for sending me some of the sample chapters. I am so excited for this book to come out. Um, Your concept around hormone, I I hate to use the word revolutionary because that seems so like schnazzy and and like promo-y, but this idea that our hormones are influenced by emotions and that we have these emotions influence even the tissues that drive our hormones. This blows me away. So I want to start off with this question. You write in your book about endometriosis and how the uterine tissue was made for, and this is the way I interpret it, was made for connection. 
And when we're not getting connection in our life, that tissue will malfunction. So what I heard, and correct me if I'm wrong, what I heard is that the tissues that control hormones in our body are dramatically influenced by our emotions, by the environments in which we live in. Is that correct? Absolutely. Yeah. There's, I mean, there's so many layers to that piece right? and you're um, head on with understanding the fact that that specific area, our uterus is really about connection. That womb space is where we create life. If we are meant to create life in this lifetime. And when we are threatened, when we are feeling unsafe, when there's trauma in our psyche, our emotional body, and our physical body, that space itself will respond. And what I've noticed over the years with working with women, and I started to notice pattern, uh, you know, these women would go through specific traumas, whether in their childhood or adolescence, or even later in life, whether it was sexual abuse or really hard divorce. Uh, one particular woman that came to me, she grew up in a household where her parents were drug addicts. So she didn't know who was going to walk in through that door. And she felt unsafe all the time. So she felt like she always had to hide. And she had endometriosis. These other women also had endometriosis. And what I started to see is that this tissue, you know, because our body is always trying to serve us, mm. especially our hormones. And this then will, would go and expand itself to go high, kind of like cancer cells. And, you know, where they're trying to create this whole new community because they're feeling lost and not secure and not safe where they are. So they look for it somewhere else. And that's kind of the pattern that I started to notice um, in many women that I've been working with. So it has me thinking about my own menopausal journey, because then I'm thinking, so does every organ that has an influence over hormones have the same emotional connection? So as I am going through menopause, is there an emotion associated with the ovaries? Does the ovaries start to wind down? Are there unresolved emotions that are in the ovaries that will make my menopausal journey more turbulent? Absolutely. There's, um, we were talking a little bit about my triangle of disconnect. And one of the masks that are in there is the, the damsel. So this is the woman that um, is always in service to her community, to her family, is just always giving and, you know, giving from a space where she really believes that's what she needs to do. But it's also tied to herself and her significance in this world. And as we're doing that, and then as we start moving through stages of like perimenopause and menopause, and we're moving into these reflective years, we have these moments of, hey, wait a moment, what did I do for myself? And then in that moment, there's resentment, hidden resentment that can show up. So with the ovaries, I found over and over again, women that have been giving and emptying their cup over and over again will have ovarian cysts show up. Mm. Um, my mother is a perfect example. She's been serving her family her whole life. And she had cysts that were 19 centimeters in diameter um, wow. by perimenopause, menopause years. And it really was that hidden resentment, that hidden anger almost, and that hidden um, or hiding of herself, of who she really was, just never having that opportunity to fully self-express. And these reproductive or organs are all about self-expression that's not there naturally our subconscious tendency is is going to be to resent maybe our environment maybe ourselves maybe our background our cultures and all the stories that we've been told about ourselves so could you take every hormonal 
tissue, every endocrine organ, and and look at the its malfunction and look at the condition that was created or labeled from that malfunction and say, okay, here's the emotion associated with it. Like, could we say breast cancer, ovarian cancer, infertility? Like, do each one of those have an emotional tie? to the malfunctioning of those endocrine systems. Yeah, when we look at a, the bigger picture of that, looking at Chinese medicine, they've always um, put an emotion with an organ, right? Like liver is anger, the lungs are fear. And when you take it a step further and you look at the reproductive organs, absolutely, you can start to understand a woman's story. And it, it might even be a little bit unique for each woman too, as she starts to discover the um, deepest knowing of herself and the emotion that's tied to her self-worth. I think it always comes back to that. And when she starts mm. to understand that and starts to understand that, you know, our breast tissue is for nourishment. So if I'm not nourishing myself, I'm always nourishing others. What's going to show up here. I'm going to feel stuck. I'm going to feel stuck in my life. So now the lymphatics in my breasts are stuck. And mm. now these cells, you know, if I'm not feeling in community, I'm not getting those oxytocin hits that I need to feel like I'm connecting to the world and myself, then those cells are going to start again, growing their own little community, because I'm not getting that from my outside world or my internal world. So please tell me you put all the different conditions and all the different emotions in your book. I because, have. Yes. Okay, good. Because I'm. it reminds me a little bit of Louise Hay. Uh, heal thy was it heal thyself was her first book where she talked about emotions and and illnesses. Um, a good friend of ours, Andrea, always talks about um, uh, feelings buried alive or feelings buried alive. Uh, I forget the name, but it's basically about when you shove your feelings down. Mm -hmm you create disease in your body and you create symptoms in your body. So one of the things that I'm trying to do on our Resetter podcast and on YouTube and in our community is really change the discussion around hormones. I feel mm -hmm. like we don't have enough. We're just told that your hormones show up and it's the reason that you bleed. And then they go, it's the reason you can get pregnant and it's and then they go away and then you have these weird symptoms and you should medicate it like yeah. women do not have enough information on hormones and you bring a totally new conversation to the hormonal culture that i think is really important for women to understand so is there a way for us to ask ourselves a question when we feel like our hormones are off so that we understand what that underlying emotion may be that is causing the malfunction of those hormones? Yeah, I, the question that I ask myself is, um, who does this emotion belong to right now? Because when we were talking mm. about the masks, right, the different roles that we play, the different masks that we have to put on so that we can... Um, survive life, we can get through the day, sometimes we're operating from that mask or from that role. So if I can ask myself, okay, who does this one belong to? Why am I responding to this trigger in this moment this way? And the moment I start asking it questions, I get different answers. I'm no more in that reactive space. I'm in that space of freedom. I, I write a whole chapter on that space, actually, mm -hmm. that gives us that freedom. Um, Viktor Frankl, I don't know if you ever oh, read that. Oh, yes. I love that book. Meaning. Yeah. And he has a quote and he says, 
that our freedom lies between the stimulus and our reaction. Mm. It's that moment in between. So I call them our pause moments. So when we can have that pause moment to really recognize, okay, who does this response and this reaction and this body reaction belong to? Because we all know that when we're under stress or where there's a trigger that maybe reminds us of a trauma, the body's going to respond. There was a study done in the early um, 1990s I giggle every time I say early 1990s because that's when I grew up. Now that I'm saying it in that way, you just, feel old. I feel old. Early 1990s. <laughs> oh, welcome, welcome, <laughs> welcome to the world of I aging. Know. <laughs> I know of aging. It's wonderful. Yeah. Um, there was a study done where they took a group of um, individuals that had trauma maybe 10, 13, 20 years ago, and they wanted to see what was happening in the brain and happening in the body. So what they did was they asked them to tell them what happened in that traumatic event. And then they created an audio that would play while they were in the scanner so that they can scan their brains to see what was happening. They also hooked them up to, um, to see if their vitals were changing, like their blood pressure, their heart rate, and their breath. So what they noticed is when they were relaying this audio, first off, their physiology would change, right? They would get into that fight mm. or flight. And the interesting thing of what happened with the brain is that their speech area in the right or the left frontal lobe, which is the Broca area, it shut down, mm. you know, so that ability to articulate what just happened completely shut down. What increased was the amygdala action. So that's part of our limbic system. So, you know, because when we're in trauma, the body, the mind or the brain is trying to remember what's happened. It's taking in the sounds, it's taking in the sights, it's taking in facial expressions, all of that. So that area really heightened and was like, I'm on high alert. We're in danger. We need to fix this. I need my emotions to show up. The other part that actually went up was the visual cortex, the Broadman's area, I believe. And that area, what that does, it takes our everyday life, like this is a computer. Okay, I got that visual. I'm going to send it to a different part of my brain to create a meaning around that visual. So what was interesting is that they were just hearing this audio of what happened, but their visual was as if it was happening in that moment. Wow. So now bringing that into our everyday, right? So if we had a trauma in our uh, lifetime and, you know, defining trauma too, I think is important because sometimes we think of it as something really big, like yes. a big event. And absolutely many people have those. It could be as simply as maybe as a child, you drew all over the walls and your parents got really disappointed with your action, but you felt like you, you are wrong, right? So you take that yeah. on as your self-worth or as your story, so then triggers in our everyday, and it could be, you know, traffic, it could be something at work, it could be your partner looking at you in a certain way. And all of a sudden, all of that shows up again, because we're wired to survive. So when that's happening in every moment, I mean, imagine what's happening to our hormonal story in that moment. I hope that answered your questions. Yeah, I no, like and I have, I have a couple of questions on it. So this is what's really trippy right now. And I'm sure Jessica, as she's listening to this, is having this experience. We are hearing the same, you are the third interview of the last three we've done that we are hearing the same message, which mm -hmm. is your traumas from childhood, the way that you 
or modeled certain behaviors, the way that you were seeing the world plays out the rest of your life. I, I interviewed Bruce, Bruce Lipton a week ago, and he talked about zero to seven, that we're in a theta wave state. And so we're in this place of sort of hypnosis and anything that gets modeled to us now becomes a program in our brain. You know, yesterday I, I uh, interviewed Libby Weaver, who you introduced me to and her teachings. And she talked about how when you are feeling stressed and rushing through your day, that a lot of times you are playing an old pattern of wanting to please whoever you're going to get to the, if you're rushing to the next thing and you're running late and you're upset, you're trying to please the person you're trying to get to, which is something that was modeled to you when you were younger. And now what I hear you saying is that when you've had a trauma, the the body remembers, it Mm -hmm. never lets go. And now you have a hormonal shift that's with you for the rest of your life. Is that the way you look at it? That is exactly how I look at it. So we, our lens that we um, are viewing the world from is from all those stories. So from things that have been modeled. So it's going into our subconscious mind from zero to seven, from experiences that we've had. So now we've created a story around, okay, in order to survive, in order to belong, in order to be okay in this world, I have to shift and change and put this mask on so that I'm not called out. And that happens in the womb. Right? So when we're it's in the womb, we can listen, we understand what our environment's going to be like, and we can change our phenotype, how we're going to look, what we're going to be like in order to fit into that new environment, because we need to survive. Tribes survive together. We, didn't, we can't survive on our own. So I think the first trauma that we experience is actually birth. Because mm. when you think about what's happening in the womb, you're in this like safe and secure space where everything that you need is given to you. You don't have to do anything. You don't have to be anything. You just be you and all that you need is given. So that deep moment of connection is there. And the moment you're birthed into the world, you now have to morph yourself, you know, right. from day one, right? Because we see expressions from our parents. Okay, when I cry, they, they look like this. When I'm happy, they look like this. So maybe I should stay like this so that I can please them. Right. So we have these experiences throughout our life that create these masks for us or these personalities for us, which then start to tie into how our hormones are also developing. So our DHEA starts to rise at age three, right? So we're starting wow. a hormone story very young in, in the womb of our grandmother. When our mother was in there, we were being created. Like the ovary, the follicle, the egg that carried our imprint was already developing in her. Wow. So now we're not, it's not just our story. We're carrying our mothers, we're carrying our grandmothers or this ancestral stuff. I mean, they've now gone back 14 generations with genetics to see that we're carrying these genes forward 14 generations. And that's all they've studied. I'm sure there's even more. So it's so, fascinating. Wow. Fascinating. So, you know, Bruce Lipton talks about how when he discovered epigenetics, the way Mm -hmm. that he really looks at epigenetics is around the outside of the gene is a vibrational energy that's responding to our thoughts. Mm -hmm. So are you saying that when my mother was in my grandmother's womb, the thought pattern of my grandmother was getting imprinted, obviously, Mm -hmm. into my mother, but it was also getting imprinted in me in the mm-hmm. eggs as they were developing inside of her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The story was already developing. So is it, is this why it's hard to, to not turn out like your mother? <laughs> I think so. And this is why we really have to reassess. 
right? What our story is, no matter how hard you try, there are moments in my life too, when I'm with my kids, I'm like, oh, there it is. Yes. You know, there's that moment where that I thought I would never, ever say this to my child or behave this way. And here I am. And so, yes, absolutely. And so how does it show up? Does it show up in the, um, how different body parts work and the conditions we get, we call that genetic, but does it show up in our personality and our behaviors? Does it show up in our cravings? Like I always laugh. My mom used to have so many potato chips in our house. Mm. And when I started to shop for myself, I was like, I'm never getting potato chips. And strangely at 51, I have a craving for potato chips. Is that my mom's fault? <laughs> layers to that one. <laughs> it could be your mom's fault. And it could be, you know, lifestyle patterns that we saw. And it could be comfort, right? Because as we're aging, we're, we're looking for that comfort and that connection again that we had as a mm. child. So, I, I mean, I see all of us, like when there's a woman sitting in front of me, I'm not just looking at her at 50 or at 40. I'm looking at her inner child of like what that inner child maybe was missing, was needing or was thriving with. That's the person that I'm going to heal or help heal or help bring out because I feel that when we really move into that space, we start true connection with ourselves and like true healing with ourselves too. So I think the the potato chips really are just like a pathway of like, okay, you know, I'm aging. There's things that are changing within me. So how do I grab onto that comfort again? Oh, fascinating. So it'd be like my cells are craving it because it's a connection. It's a connection to my mother Mm. with an unknown connection. Yeah. Fascinating. Okay. So here's what, where, what I, my brain goes to next, which is we first have to have the awareness that Mm -hmm. what's showing up for us today, isn't just a byproduct of what I did yesterday or today, Mm -hmm. that what I'm hearing from you is that any hormonal imbalance I'm having today, any, um, any endocrine disruption that I'm having today, uh, any endocrine gland, whether it's thyroid or uterus or breast, that that could have been set in motion in me in the womb. Mm-hmm. So how do I rectify that? How do I change yeah. that? Yeah, I think what you said first was um, the most important piece is the awareness, right? So, okay, this story does not belong to me. Mm. And the moment we have an awareness, we start to see the world in a very different way. We start to recognize the pattern that we have created to navigate our world. And, you know, I'll use myself as an example. So when I was young and going back to that, you know, the trauma pieces, um, and I've shared this story with the two of you before at one of our masterminds, um, there was a moment where um, I was in a room with two older men and a cousin of mine and what was happening should not happen to young women, to young girls. Mm. And what that created in me was a pattern to make sure that I take care of myself. I built Mm. up walls around my heart. I, um, held with me a lot of shame and guilt for not being able to speak in that moment to save my cousin. Um, So therefore I became a rescuer. I Mm -hmm. became a doctor. I wanted Mm -hmm. to rescue everyone in my path. So I think these generational um, traumas, stories, all the things, our own personal ones, what they do is they create this personality then that helps us make sure that we don't ever experience that pain again. 
So when we're in that moment, now there's, you know, triggers happening in life. There's um, relationships that we're inviting into our life that maybe are going to show us how we can heal that. But in that moment, it doesn't feel that way. Mm. And for me personally, what happened is my uterus just blew up, right? It was always inflamed, especially in my, my first marriage. And the other thing that happened was I had PCOS, not even knowing it until mm. just a few years ago. I realized I had this moment as I was helping another woman, I'm like, I had PCOS before and I didn't even know it at that age, that that's what was going on. And I think these things start to show up when, so A, I had the awareness that something happened. The other step that happened was even then in that awareness, there was real denial. I'm like, oh, I don't think so. But then it got confirmed. All the triggers showed up. My husband, who the two of you know, is lovely. Yes, he is. He grew out a beard. <laughs> And oh, for an entire yes. year. Do you remember I saw that, that? It was his yeah. quarantine beard. It was his quarantine beard. He looked and great. It triggered me every single day because it brought me back to my trauma. It brought me back to that moment of that, that man's beard. And wow. I couldn't act, I couldn't articulate it well. I couldn't put it into words, but it was it was the the smell, the 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 feeling, all of that. So what that did, it created challenges in our intimacy. It created mm. challenges in my everyday with him because I was being triggered by this mm. that happened long ago. And that was the year that my hormones got thrown off too. And even though I'm the one that helps women with hormones, right. and does all the things, right? And all of a sudden now my body's telling me like, hey, there's some work to be done. So to answer your question, I think that first set of awareness, like that takes time to really sink into and, and realize like, wow, I've been making life decisions based on that reality for so long. Yeah. I've been protecting myself, guarding myself, making decisions to make sure I was safe and not really experiencing life because of that moment. But then that also gives you freedom all of a sudden. It's like, okay, okay. I, can, I can shift this. Now I can bring into my toolbox tools, whether that's meditation, yoga, um, hypnotherapy, EMDR, IFS, or body therapy, whatever that is for that individual to really move this out of my psyche and my physical form. So then I can make room to create a life that I actually want from this version of me, the one that's aware. Right. Yeah. Right. So would you say then that every condition that involves hormones that's not resolving I'm, I'm going to say not resolving. Mm -hmm. I mean, I assume it could resolve and you wouldn't have to look at your emotions, but eventually you end up having to look. I'm learning this as I, each year I'm on this planet, I'm like, oh yeah, pretty soon you have to deal with your junk um, or it shows up in new ways. But a lot of women, what I hear is they're stuck with their hormones. They can't figure it out. They're frustrated. PCOS, I was thinking about that as you were talking, like PCOS is the most common hormonal imbalance. So it, there, there feels like when I listen to you talk that there's an elephant in the room mm -hmm. of all women that we're not addressing, which was what is you, what happened to you in the past that could have mm -hmm. created dysfunction in, in this moment mm -hmm. now? and is making it so that your body can't heal. Yeah. And the amazing thing is it's all in here, right? Like the mind, right? So if right. we can start to really change our story, we literally will change our life. We'll change our hormones. We'll change our bodies. So when we start to see the story that we've been playing out from the beliefs that we've been given about ourselves, and a lot of them 
you know, maybe they came generational, maybe it's from social media, maybe it's from Hollywood, maybe it's from whatever story, uh, a, a young boy that maybe broke our, our heart, and then we created a story around that. All these stories are important. And all these stories will create a personality within you. And then from there, you're going to take action. So whether that's to maybe get breast implants, maybe that's, you know, young girls today, I'm noticing are getting um, booty lifts all the time. And I had this one woman come in, she's getting a booty lift, she's getting a breast implant, she's getting Botox done. She is 25. That's beautiful young woman, but she has this belief that she is not beautiful. She is not good enough. And so we change ourselves to morph ourselves into these boxes over and over again. And her hormones are a mess because they're screaming. They're saying, hey, you're enough. It's okay. We can do this. So would you say in that scenario, I think it would be very easy for most people to go, well, that's society. She's reading the magazine. She's trying to match herself. It's what her mm-hmm. culture is doing. But what I hear you saying is that, no, there was something in her upbringing or maybe in the womb that triggered the I'm not good enough. I'm not beautiful enough. And she has now carried that in trying to constantly make herself live up to that moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So when that um, original belief is there, then we're going to look to the outside world to fill that gap, mm. to help us feel that um, belonging piece and that connection piece. So when we're in disconnect, we look for things outside to help us feel connected again. I feel like in moments of trauma, like pieces of our soul start to kind of redistribute themselves. Mm. And we spend a lifetime trying to bring that in. And maybe that's with food. Maybe that's with alcohol. Maybe that's with just how we're perceiving the world and these decisions that we make, that all of them have an impact. And then our hormones, what they do is they're constantly just relaying messages, right? The message that they're getting from their environment, from from our thoughts are like, okay, I'll go give this message to your thyroid or to your adrenals. And now we're in this state of dis-ease and discomfort because there is so much miscommunication happening between the hormones. Amazing. So now I kind of am thinking about this from both angles. Again, my brain like is grabbing it. And then it's like, oh, wait, it, like the, any new paradigm shifting concept. I feel like, I don't know if you have this. I feel mm-hmm. like my brain grabs it and then it disappears mm-hmm. and then it grabs it and then it disappears. But there's so much continuity in what Bruce Lipton said, what Libby Weaver said and what you said. And I'm now going, okay, gosh, I thought parenting was a really important job, but I never realized like how flipping important it was. So let's start from the place of if you were raising a child right now, if you were bringing up, um, like, especially if I guess if it was a girl, although I'm sure this plays out for boys too, Mm -hmm. what can you do as a parent to be protective of the uh, emotional space that your child is growing up in. So you don't end up with hormonal problems down the road. Is there anything we can do? Or is that really impossible? That's a loaded question, (laughs) (laughs) especially as a parent trying to answer it and knowing too much of all of this. I think we we do the best that we can. And um, when we have this knowledge, I think the more vulnerable we are with our children to share with them, our um, beliefs that maybe were put onto us. So, you know, I have a lot of those moments with my kids. I grew up as an Indo-Canadian. So being in the Indian culture, how I was brought up is very different than how my children are being brought up. 
So I bring those stories into our everyday of, and it could be something as simple as like, they just go to their friend's house and it's not a big deal. For me, that was a huge deal navigating two different cultures. Mm. And so I bring in that story of like, you know what, sometimes I get triggered by certain things of what you guys say, because I didn't have that upbringing. I was brought up very differently. So I have to like pause and see that, okay, this isn't my story anymore. This is yours. And I'm not always going to be perfect. So I think the more we can just be vulnerable and conversate with them about our imperfections, because there's no Mm. such thing as perfect parenting. Right. I think that's when we give them freedom to be imperfect, imperfect. Beautifully said. So being, knowing yourself and knowing Mm -hmm. where your uh, weaknesses, I don't know another way to say it, your triggers, where, where, Mm -hmm. what's showing up for you and expressing that to your child so that you're not continuing the dysfunction through the generations could be quite helpful. Absolutely. In many cultures, they say, if you heal, you're healing seven generations forward and seven Mm. generations back. So the moment you become self-aware and you do this like self-discovery and, you know, for women, we're talking about hormones right now, when you start to kind of put the pieces of the puzzle together, it gives you so much freedom to just be yourself. Mm. And like, it's okay that you're having a bad day because you know why you're having it. It's okay that you're having that craving for those carbs, right? At the end of the last the two potato weeks chips. You can say you it. Can. The potato, chip. potato chips. <laughs> With it's the right okay. oils. Yeah. It's okay. Your libido is low. You don't have to be high alert all the time. It's okay. Right. I think the more we right. just give ourselves permission to be, the easier it becomes to navigate these hormones. Yeah. Yeah. Well said. So now I'm thinking from the other end. So I'm thinking from my menopausal brain that when I'm having symptoms, for example, one of the symptoms I really did not appreciate as I've gone through this menopausal journey is that body anxiety where mm-hmm. it's like, I can't relax. And of course, my clinical brain is like, oh, you're low in progesterone. So you need to relax. You need to eat more carbs. Like I go into my clinical space. Mm-hmm. Is there a deeper question I could ask myself that would help me touch it? tap into the emotional part of mm-hmm. why progesterone may not be showing up for me? Is there some, some way of maybe in through meditation that I could get to a deeper answer that's more than just chill out? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you know, these being the reflective years, first looking at where you are and where you have been, where have you felt that feeling before? When did this sensation show up Mm. or when was it in your um, menstrual years that you didn't maybe feel grounded or maybe you felt that extra pressure on life? So reflecting on that and then how it's presenting in today and then also reflecting forward of like, well, how do I want to navigate this for going forward? You know, understanding, yes, there's a hormonal piece. There's progesterone is probably low. The adrenals are probably fatigued. The thyroid is probably working extra hard right now too. I'm in estrogen dominance because it's perimenopause. There's all these things for sure that we can support with fasting, with herbs and with all of that. But then asking those bigger questions of, have I fulfilled the things that I was meant to do in this lifetime? And Mm. what does that even look like? What, what does my definition of success look like right now? Not from the definition of what I was told to understand or believe. What is my definition of being a woman today, right now in this moment? What do I want for myself? So when that wow. starts to happen, and then yes, bring in the tools of yoga. Like there was actually a study done on yoga where the participants just did once a week for 20 weeks and their area in their brain, the insula, which... Um, 
actually navigates our autonomic response started to shift. Mm -hmm. um, their prefrontal, the medial part of their prefrontal cortex, that also started to shift and that's decision-making. So the brain started to rewire and the body started to relax. So those moments, that body anxiety started to shift because now we're reprogramming the brain and then programming in it the things that we do desire, the things that we do want to manifest. Mm, brilliant. I, I don't know if I ever told you this story, but, um, you know, you and to fill the audience in, you've been t telling me about self-care for what we've known each other six, seven years now. Mm. And you've been like really such a champion for, for my self-care. And I just greatly appreciate that. Everybody needs a friend like you yeah. who like keeps an eye out and says, hey, well, you hear them on your shoulder every yes. time you're making a different choice. Um, yeah. Well, you know, it's, I, I probably carry you around a lot with me throughout the oh. week and just really remind myself. And yet I've asked myself many times what self-care looks like for me because I feel like self-care looks different for every, every person. And I'm still trying to discover that. So I've teamed up with Tony Horton. Do you know Tony Horton? He was the creator of P90X, one of the most revolutionary at-home fitness programs. And we created together a new fitness program called Power Sync 60. And it is literally, this program's never been done. It is a revolutionary 60 day program for both men and women. So here's why I want you to join us is that we literally created PowerSync 60 with you in mind. So it doesn't matter if you're a cycling woman, a postmenopausal woman, or a man. One of the things I brought to Tony was that when we work out, we have to think about our hormones. And he had never done that in the millions of workouts that he's created in his lifetime. We also included a free bonus meal plan and a customized tailor way you can eat right for yourself. Also, of course, we put some fasting in there and it was a beautiful meeting of the minds. So I, it, this is like a passion project that I'm so excited to share with you. And in order to get it, all you gotta do is visit drmindy.org and use the code PS60PELS. So PS60 and then my last name, PELS, P-E-L-Z, to get 20% off. And you get lifetime access to the program. So that's drmindy.org, and you use the code PS60PELS to join all of us. I'm actually doing this myself right now. So come join me, my community, on this incredible journey. I am so proud to bring this to you. One day I was in a meditation. I spend about an hour every morning listening to something very positive. I've gotten really into doing soma breathing, some different breath work. And then I do a meditation and I had this thought pop in my head. This is a couple of years back that I have been at, through the menopausal journey frustrated at the depleted hormones. You know, I don't know another way to say that, but almost villainizing them like, you know, freaking a like progesterone, like, man, you went away. And like, I really want you to come back and gosh, and just sort of having a, an aggressive negative energy towards it. And in that, in this moment of meditation, I said to myself, gosh, do you know, you really shouldn't villainize your ovaries. They showed up for you every month and they produced egg after egg mm -hmm. after egg for how many years? And twice 
Those you had an egg get fertilized and you produce these amazing children that bring you so much joy right now. Wouldn't that be, wouldn't it be better to thank these organs as mm-hmm. she's deciding to kick out and she doesn't want to work anymore? What if I went into a meditation where I was in gratitude for how she's shown up for me and what I was able to create with these amazing organs? And do you know, it was like another layer of healing with mm-hmm. w- through menopause once i just fully went into gratitude mm-hmm. around my ovaries and it at mm-hmm. the time i thought oh this sounds really silly but now i'm listening to you and i'm like wow that was actually pretty profound yeah what it, do you, what it, are your thoughts on that did i it was that like another layer of healing for me oh absolutely and i actually speak to that layer in the book too it's self acceptance like you accepted yourself as you are and you thanked your body for doing the work and like i was saying before those hormones are they've just been communicating they're they're doing what we are telling them to do and they have shown up over and over again like you said to help support your system to help support your immune system to help support all of it and life and when we are in that feeling of resentment towards them it's really hard to one be in that space of trust I think as well, because we lose trust in our body. And I think the thing that you were speaking to really was grief, right? Mm. There's moments of grief as we're transitioning and there's moments, and that starts even at a younger age when we're giving birth to children, right? There's grieving that happens then as we grieve our old body, our old life. There's grieving happening when the kids are aging and we're watching them grow up. There's grieving happening when we're transitioning. So there's a lot of grieving (laughs) so much and that's okay. Right. And that's like, that's the shadow aspect that is within us. And I speak to a lot of these like polarities that we carry with us, but we're so stuck in a society of black or white, good or bad. The hormones were bad or the hormones were good. It's like, well, they're all of it and that's okay. Or they're either, they're either there or they're depleted or you have too much or you have too little, but they're, they can be different at different times. Yeah. Yeah. So how do we support them? Like, how do we support their story so that they can really serve us? And I call it like the, the dance or the, they're like the choreographers of our life. So how do we support this choreography by making choices every day in our daily habits, our daily thoughts that are going to help support it? So would it be fair to say that if you want to heal an organ, you're going to have to make peace with it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So we have a lot of thyroid problems. I mean, mm-hmm. people are so up in arms about their thyroid issues and they're frustrated at their doctor for not having the solution or, you know, there's a lot, of, I feel like the thyroid, there's a lot of anger around it that mm-hmm. women have. So would the best thing be to just sit in deep appreciation and love for that organ and just let go any kind of, um, thought process that says this organ has to show up a certain way. It has to act a certain way in order for me to be happy. Could there be a another layer of healing for women as we start to just come into acceptance of these organs that may not be working the way we want them to be? Yeah, I think that's, it's a big piece, um, the, the acceptance of it, but the other piece with the thyroid is your voice. Mm-hmm. So many women that have thyroid um, stuff come up, especially later on in life, usually have suppressed their voice somehow and again maybe there's a generational thing going on there too because as we know women's history is very um, colorful I'm just going to label it that way yes and um, so when we tap into that where have we lost our voice and where were we not able to speak our truth and when did we really um, look the other way when we knew that 
something was wrong in our environment and we needed to speak up. So like really sitting into those questions of like, where I'm not telling my truth or speaking my yeah. truth, what is my truth? And then as that starts to happen, that center, like that chakra will also start to expand. And then we can learn how to receive as well. Because what's happening when organs aren't functioning as they should, right? When the autoimmunity is there, when the self is fighting itself, when the nodules are there, when the throat cancer is there, we're in that space of like nothing is working for us. But mm-hmm. when we start to ask questions, we start to understand that deeper of self-expression. And then from that, different choices start getting made then in our daily life. Then the, you know, looking at the toxins isn't so crazy. Mm-hmm. And then eating the right foods is okay because now I think I'm worth that mm-hmm. healing. So I think okay. it just, once you become aware of that relationship, then everything else starts to change. It's a lot easier to navigate. I feel like I see you as like a fortune teller, like <laughs> sitting on a mountaintop and women coming up to you and being like, here's, here's what I'm dealing with. And you're like, well, the emotional connection to that is, yeah. it's like yeah. a different form of astrology that we've got yeah. going. It's hormonal it's astrology. It's not the best superpower because when I meet people, <laughs> I'm oh, already yeah, like projecting like, oh, okay, this is going to happen if they don't shift this. And I don't like always being right. Oh. It's then you can see um, you see the pain that yeah you know, women are going to well, so, so let's talk about that because I you uh, in interacting with you I know this about uh, a chapter that that I, the couple chapters me that I read in your new book again which is amazing can't wait for this get it out in the world um, that looking at pain in ourselves is very hard to do. Mm -hmm. And you talk about different masks that Mm -hmm. we tend to carry around. Let's talk a little bit about that. Like, why is it so hard to do? Talk a little bit about the three masks. And then Mm -hmm. can we talk about solutions for it? Because Mm -hmm. I'm such a person that wants to present a bigger paradigm shift to, to women specifically but I make sure that we leave women feel hopeful mm-hmm. and understanding health at a deeper level and knowing what to do with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Pain is hard, right? Cause we do everything that we can to avoid it. And that's the whole world is built around that from vacation to sometimes just burying the pain because it's too hard to understand. And like I was talking about before, like our whole speech process shuts down because we can't articulate how deep we can feel pain. So it's really hard to understand what to do with it. And so over our lifetime, we, like I was saying before, we create these personalities or we wear these masks and these masks can be defined in two different ways. Sometimes it's a role that playing that's mother or the career woman or the wife or the daughter, you know, there's these expectations that come with these roles in mass. The other masks are maybe one of, um, like I was talking about myself, creating that wall. So I don't mm-hmm. let people in to my heart and that's for survival. So when we have these masks and then we start to carry them around with us, we lose sight of the real us. Mm-hmm. We lose sight of real connection within ourselves. And what I created is something called a triangle of disconnect. And when we're in those roles or when we're playing out those masks, we're in a state of disconnection always. Mm -hmm. And it isn't until we can like pluck ourselves away a little bit and observe what we're doing and the choices we're making that we can then start to make different choices. So one of them is um, the Duchess. So she is the one that takes care of her household. She's got everything planned, her alarm alarm cuts that are 
sorry, alarm clock is that she's like the get her done, right? No one's gonna mess with my schedule. I got this. And when she's in that role and, and, you know, we tap into these because they're useful. So there's not a negative mm-hmm. or positive polarity to these. They have everything because maybe we need to be that way in the workplace, or maybe we need to be that way to get the kids out, out of the door and at school. But what we need to learn is how we can shift out of that state and be in that more being state. So that woman have problems with our amenorrhea or irregular periods because she's going to be working out a lot, probably not eating mm-hmm. enough. Her hormones aren't necessarily working the way she wants them to work. So maybe she's going to take the birth control pill because she needs to control her environment. So control is a big factor here. Mm-hmm. And then you have the damsel who's always in service. She's always giving, giving, giving and not able to really recoup from that. So now she's in complete adrenal fatigue. And it isn't until something bigger happens, maybe it's thyroid cancer because she's not speaking her voice, her truth. Mm. Maybe it's ovarian cysts because she's feeling resentful for all the stuff that she's having to do. However, the other polarity of that, she's the one that's keeping the community together. She's the woman you're going to call when you're having a bad day because she's able to really hold that space of compassion and empathy. So there's gifts in that too. And then the third one is the diva. She's the one where you see perfect picture, right? And she may be the one that felt she needed the breast implants to look that perfect picture or the the booty lift, or she's, you know, on the outside, everything is perfect, but her internal world is in turmoil because she's always in inner conflict. Mm. So maybe in her case too, she's going to be growing fibroids during her perimenopause years because she just cannot fully express who she really is. She can't just go outside in sweatpants and be okay with that. She's got to create this picture that's perfect for the external world. So she doesn't have to feel the pain of that belief that she's not worthy or she's not enough or she's not significant in this lifetime. Do we move around those three? Like, are we, I think so. Yeah. I think so. I think we tap into them. I think we take from them what we need and I think the problem arises when we get stuck in that polarity where we feel like this is what we need in order to feel our worth. This Mm. is what we need in order to feel belong that we belong. But when we can tap into the positive polarities of each one, then it all works because then we can put it down when we need to, right? Mm. We can, we can show up in that way, in that moment, we can always be in a state of us, of who we really are, and then step into action, step into that role because we need that role in that moment. But it's when we're stuck in that role, that's when we're getting pulled in all these directions and we're having that internal conflict, losing that self-trust and losing trust in our outside world too. So do you see these, the triangle of disconnect? I love the name of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you see that these masks, if we, once we understand them, mm-hmm. that we can go, oh, I've got the Duchess mask on right now. Mm-hmm. Okay, this is not serving me. Let, or let me go to the upside of the Duchess. And mm-hmm. like, is there, is there, I, I mean, I love the languaging of, of those three Ds. And I'm also thinking it, I, I find it always helpful when I sort of recognize patterns. Are you seen that these three would be something that women could use to recognize where they may be in the dark side of emotions? Mm-hmm. Sure. So there's an exercise that I get um, women to do in the book is to like create that triangle, like get a big sheet of paper out, make that triangle, write out the different polarities of those two and see where you utilize 
those moments. Mm. And so in those moments, you can recognize like, okay, I, I am being the diva right now. Like, why do I need this to be perfect in this moment? Where is that actually coming from? So then the questions start. And then from there, the awareness begins. And then that cycle of healing can begin to bring in the tools of like, okay, well, how can I use the positive polarity of this to serve my body, to serve my life, to serve my hormones? Yeah. Again, I'm going back to the three conversations that I've had over the last week, and they're all mm -hmm. with this underlining theme of self-awareness. Mm -hmm. And I'm, I'm realizing when you look at the population that we are often run by whatever we see on TV or mm -hmm. social media or the people around us. And there's so many people that don't even, aren't even aware of what patterns in their thoughts they want to accept and reject mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. how, you know, one of the passions that I've had over the last year is we really wanting to teach people to think deeper, get beyond the soundbite, get beyond mm -hmm. the news, whatever you saw in your newsfeed, start to really tap into your own self so that you can think for yourself and not think like those people yes. who have programmed you or as the world has programmed you. Yes. You think if we all stepped into this place of self-awareness and said, I am going to take control of what I think, how I feel, I'm going to look at myself uh, in the deepest level possible that would heal a lot of the hormonal imbalances that are showing up for women right now? For sure. Yeah, I think that is the key thing that's going to help really support our hormones. And then, you know, if we think about it, we support our hormones, we feel good about ourselves, the world starts to change yeah. and heal. And yeah. women are like, we are the center of all of it. We yes. were the first relationship a child has to the world. And it's mm -hmm. these children that are making decisions in the world, mm -hmm. right? So if we step into that space, like imagine the healing that can yeah. take place on this planet. I do yeah. think that's like the core thing for humanity to shift yeah. and how connected would we feel when we start looking at the, the macrocosm and not just the micro, because we're mm -hmm. so used to getting stuck in like the minute details of life. And when we start looking at that bigger picture, of how connected we really are. Cause you know, a woman might have a different story, but the foundation is the same. We yeah. all want to feel worthy. We all want to feel heard. We all, all want to feel connected. And if we can just settle with that, everything I think would shift. So when you, I'm seeing headlines recently about, and I know this is more on the male side, but when I see he headlines like low sperm counts, mm -hmm. uh, Aaron Brockovich just put out a, a, an article that said low sperm count and shrinking penises is causing, uh, getting us closer to human extinction. There's a lot of people out there believing that we are so under so much hormonal stress, mm -hmm. both men and women, that we have hit and infertility rates are at the highest they've ever been. But that we are on a trajectory towards human extinction. And the way I saw that through uh, uh, my lens prior to this conversation was it's a toxicity issue. And I still think there is a toxicity mm -hmm. issue, but the world is more disconnected. The world is in more fear. People mm -hmm. don't even know what's driving their own emotions. They don't have, social media has not allowed us to think for ourselves. Do you think that all of that is playing into infertility mm -hmm. and what we're seeing? Mm -hmm. And do you think if we don't affect it and, and really start to dive into some of these more emotional uh, uh, traumas that we are on a path towards human extinction? Mm -hmm. I do feel that. And that makes me sad. <laughs> I know. I'm sorry. I know up. it's a deep. Yeah. No, it's okay. Cause you think of your kids and your grandkids yeah. and I do think it's that piece of disconnect. 
I think um, if the humans that were putting the chemicals in the water, the humans that were creating fear and navigating fear into the world, if they felt whole, if they, mm. if they could understand their traumas and their story, it, the outcome would be very different because then we would take into account the other and not just ourselves. Yeah. It, the world would be a very different place if we would just do that. Because yeah. now it's like we can't not detox. We right. have to. We have to. And it's so much unexplained infertility because we have around so many heavy backpacks of these stories and these toxins and all of it that it's a hard thing to do right now. Yeah. And I think the more of us that speak about it and the more of us that become self-aware instead of trying to change the person outside of us, the easier it becomes for compassion and empathy. And if we have compassion for each other, we'll have compassion for the earth. We'll understand yeah. that we are here as um, temporary guests, right? And yeah. if we want to leave a world that's going to keep these generations going, it is our duty yeah. to connect with the earth. And I call the original mother because she's the one who's provided us with everything. I go back to that, what I said in the beginning, when we were in the womb, we were given everything we needed. We didn't have to think about it. The earth has been giving us everything from food to shelter to all of it. And yet, you know, that moment when a child turns around and says, I hate you to their mom, mm. which has already happened to me. And oh, I only have a six and girlfriend, I've been there. Oh, oh though your heart just breaks. And you imagine the earth right now, the vibration mm. that the earth is feeling with all that we have done as humans and not, not, not always out of spite or um, out of wanting negative things to happen, but just maybe unknowing. But now that we know we need to change. Yeah. Oh my God, that was so well said. And I, um, what's going on with our planet right now has weighed so heavy on my heart. Mm -hmm. And I feel like 2020 gave us an opportunity and it gave us an opportunity to sit down and reflect on what's not working. And in that reflection, I feel like a lot of people are hearing this messaging, like Mother Earth is is dying. The people were in extinction. I'm seeing more and more of that. And I feel like we have to move out of a us versus them. We are all connected. This is why I love like Bruce Lipton's work, like vibrationally, we are all connected. So it, it you know, it, I feel like it doesn't matter what political slant you are. It doesn't matter what you believe about the virus or not the virus that or the vaccine or no vaccine. Mm -hmm. What's important right now is that we come together as one human species and we say, what can we do to create connection to each other, mm -hmm. allow each other to have different beliefs, but to connect to each other and to connect to Mother Earth. Mm -hmm. And I never thought of that as like your safe when you're in the womb mm -hmm. and you know, that's how we have felt on the earth, but, mm -hmm. but she's not doing well and it is mm -hmm. making us more disconnected. Yeah. I think it goes to that core again of we as humans need connection and belonging. And I think COVID gave us a glimpse of what it could feel like when the world bands together for something. Mm -hmm. It yes. wasn't the thing I think we should have banded together for, but yeah. you know, when protests are happening or it's, when there's this like cause that we can all come together and fight for, like we don't really have that in our world anymore, but when we get that like push, but right now we're just so disjointed 
yeah. uh, within ourselves, that that's what's creating that disjointedness in our external world. So yes, the more we can really come together and connect, because at the end of the day, we all need food. We need all your water and yeah. we all need love. We, need we all need these things, air. These are the, yeah. the, the basics that we need. And we so, all deserve. So when we look at the, the possibility right now in 2021 is if we band together and say, I'm going to connect to even the person who I hate, I'm going to connect to the values that I may not resonate with, but I'm going to show up as a being of love mm-hmm. and of gratitude and joy. And in that process, I'm going to heal myself, which is going to heal my hormones, which is going to heal the planet. We have mm-hmm. that possibility that exists for the human mm-hmm. race right now. Or we have the possibility of, I'm going to continue to talk about how stupid somebody is that they believe different than me. Yeah. I'm going to continue to to ostracize the people who don't think like me. I'm going to continue to talk about the things that irritate me. Would, you, would it be fair to say that if we stay in that mindset, we're in for more of a hormonal mm-hmm. dysfunction, not mm-hmm. only a more of a planet dysfunction, but our, we're looking at more infertility, more PCOS, more uh, mm-hmm. breast cancer. Is it mm-hmm. fair to say that if we stay in that mindset as a culture? Mm-hmm. I think it's fair to say that. I think we need to learn how to um, hold our thoughts and beliefs and those polarities in like open palms. Right. Mm. So we can see and observe and we can see things for what they are instead of putting an emotion around it. And it's not that we need to be in rainbows and butterflies all the time. Mm-hmm. Grief is there. Sadness is there. Challenges happen. All of that happens. But what we do with it is up to us, mm. how we respond. If we want that freedom, we need to be in that space between that stimulus and the response. We need to pause. Right. Amazing. So if we can live there for sure. We can, we can have both those worlds at the same time, the yin and the yang, the light and the dark, they have to exist together. So we can hold them together and not get mm. so stuck in one side. Yeah. Ugh. I just, I love this. And I feel like I could keep going on I this know. conversation <laughs> because I just, I'm so thirsty for it. I am. Mm-hmm. I feel like in 2020, when we first went in the pandemic, I was so in awe of how everybody in a one week's time seemed to care about their immune system. Mm -hmm. And I thought, oh my God, this is going to be amazing. And everybody slowed down. And I thought the world is going to benefit from this moment. And a year later, I feel like we went to outside in solutions. I feel like we are now, at least here in America, you know, as we went through the election, we're fighting more than ever. And And I see where we could become more disconnected because of this moment. And I want to keep these conversations going with people about, no, it starts with each individual. Gandhi said, be the change you want to see in the world. So so be be compassion, be love, heal your emotions, heal and then heal your own hormones, and that mm-hmm. will have this ripple effect. So I'm try I love thank you for having this conversation with me because I'm like dying for it. And mm-hmm. I want to, as women, we are so good at community, we're so good at connection. We have to stop outperforming each other or pointing fingers at each other, or she's doing that and she's doing that. We need to go, you're a woman, I'm a woman, and we're more powerful when we come together, regardless of what our Mm -hmm. beliefs are. We are better unified together. We can heal Mother Earth if we do that. Mm -hmm. Well said. I don't know if anyone's watched Wonder Woman. Yes. It just reminds me of her, like, 
her family of the sisters, right? Like they're banding together and trying to um, secure the world and yeah. protect the world. And that really is the archetype that I love to look at because we really are that. Yeah. And we have so many of those archetypes within us. But yes, if we band together, we could heal. Amazing. Okay, well, I'm going to finish this off again. I could just keep going deeper with this. So I hope everybody's enjoying this. And I want to say, Resetters, as you guys are listening to this, if you resonate with it, this is the messaging I am trying to get out into the world. Dr. Sonia is trying to get out into the world. So please share it so that we can start to change the conversation around hormones. That's really one of the biggest reasons I wanted to bring you on is because I want to change the conversation around hormones. So I appreciate you letting me letting me go deep in this. Yeah, I, I now have five questions for you. Oh, no. okay. I know you should be worried. <laughs> okay. Ready? And okay. I, I, I think I didn't give you the hardest ones. Um, okay. If you could go back to your 13 year old self mm-hmm. and you could give her advice, what would you tell her? You are love. Mm. Yeah. 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 You know, a lot of people say that when I, when I ask Mm -hmm. them that question, that just Mm -hmm. acceptance and love. So interesting. Mm -hmm. Okay. What is, I have, this is a two part question. What is your favorite self-care strategy Mm -hmm. and what would a day look like where you've built self-care into it? Mm -hmm. Favorite self-care strategy is my morning routine. Um, and that looks like movement. It looks like meditation. It looks like a sauna, Oh, would be the perfect day for me. Yeah. Just like a spa day of massage, sauna, like just all of it, red light, just, yeah. And good food. Yeah. Good, nutritious food. Mm -hmm. Yes. I totally agree. And do you, throughout a day, because again, as, as somebody who's been trying to find self-care for herself, um, do you have built-in self-care throughout the day or do you hit a place where you're like, whoa, I've overdone it. I need to now throw <laughs> overdone self-care. self-care. Yeah. Uh, no, never. no, overdid. Um, for Can me, you overdo have, self-care? I don't think so. <laughs> uh, for me, a cup of tea by myself outside that is On built in. Um, yeah. My evening routine is also once the kids are in bed, I'm having some, my cup of tea. So a cup of tea is really my, my cup of tea. <laughs> yeah, I love it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I love it. Okay. What book do you think every woman needs to read? Oh, you know, answer to this one, the rushing woman syndrome, but I'm going to add another one in there. The choice by Dr. Edith Edgar. She is an Auschwitz survivor and is in her late nineties and has so much wisdom to share. So the choice. Beautiful. We're creating a, we're creating a book list here. I ask Mm. all my guests that, and it's, we've learned a lot of books. So I'm sure Jessica just wrote that down. The other thing I want to tell you is that when I interviewed Dr. Libby Weaver yesterday, I asked her this question. And um, I said, whenever somebody asks me this question, I say rushing woman syndrome. Mm-hmm. And she was so humble. She's like, oh my gosh. Like she was like, so like blown away by that. Mm-hmm. And I agree with you. That book mm-hmm. needs, every woman needs to read it. Send her TED talk to every woman I see. Yeah. 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 And you know, she, um, at the end of the interview, she cried because mm-hmm. I told her, you know, we're just we hear you. We thank you for your rushing woman book. And Mm -hmm. she just is a heart-based love that wants to get her message out to the world. So uh, thank you for turning me on to that book and her. Okay. Ready for this question? 
If you were in charge of the curriculum at a medical school for mm-hmm. OBs and you wanted to put in some key classes that maybe an OB isn't learning, mm-hmm. what would those classes be? Trauma and self-care. It's trauma and self-care and how they relate to hormones. And how they relate to hormones. Yeah. Do you think any OBs are getting those classes? No. Do you think any think so. naturopaths and or alternative are getting those classes? Uh, to a, a, a certain lens, but no, not enough. Yeah. Not enough. We have all turned an eye away from the pain. Ah, so true. So true. Okay. And then the last one is if you had one message for the world that you could get implanted in everybody's brain and they would never forget it, what would that mm. message be? You are enough. It's a common theme. Yeah, I love it. Well, this was a joy. I mean, you and I have had so many conversations, but uh, this one transformed me for sure. It has me thinking deeper. You better believe I will be reaching out to you with my deep thoughts over the next week. And as I, <laughs> I love it. As I, as I think on, on what you said today, I'm going to take this information and apply it to my own life and really think about where there might be another layer of healing that can happen for me. So um, I just appreciate you. I, I'm so grateful for you always, not only as an incredible doctor, but as a friend who I always feel deep deeply cares for me. I just really cannot thank you enough and how my life is so much better with you in it. So I appreciate your friendship. Making me cry again. Thank you. And all the work that you're doing in the world. Like when I see you shining, I'm like, there she goes again. (laughs) You're just doing such amazing work and you're really getting the message out there. Like you are articulating things that a lot of us sometimes can't. Mm-hmm. And you are just pioneering a movement for women and mankind, humankind. And so thank you. Hey, Resetters. I just want to start off by saying thank you so much for all your wonderful reviews. And those of you that have left me comments on iTunes, I just greatly appreciate your thoughtfulness and how much you guys are enjoying these episodes. And it, and it seems like you're enjoying them as much as I am enjoying doing them. One of the things that I've learned in just interacting with so many people is that we've really lost the art of deep conversations. And for me, the Resetter Podcast stands for having meaningful conversations with people who are thinking about health, about life, about mindset in a way that we may not be getting on social media or in mainstream media. And so I just want to say, give you guys a shout out and just say thank you for participating in in this process with me because as much as I absolutely love delivering the information to you I love even more knowing that it's impacting your life so please let us know if there's anything we can do to make this podcast more customized to you to make it better we are now officially in season two and we are working to bring you the best conversations that health influencers have that mindset changers can give and to really deliver you something that you're not able to get anywhere else. So from the bottom of my heart, as I always say in my YouTube, from the bottom of my heart, I am deeply appreciative of you. I am deeply grateful to be on this journey with you and let's get healthy together.